Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. It's a hymn that has a long history within the Church of God, in particular the Lutheran Church. Finds its maybe most familiar singing at the end of the St. John's Passion by Bach. Just that final verse is how he ends the story of Christ and his cross, his suffering and death for us. To sing in response to the death and resurrection of Jesus, Lord, that I may die unfearing, strengthen my faith, and I will praise thee without end. It's a beautiful hymn. might be new to you, but it is a hymn that can endure. It has that that kind of uh, staying power. I hope you enjoy it. Well, we have again a kind of a recap today of that interaction between Jesus and his disciples where Peter gets to say, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The question of who is Jesus? Back in January, we had this same reading and we explored the answers to that question of who Jesus is and what do you think of Jesus? And maybe we get to the more important question, what does Jesus think of you? How is he disposed toward you? What does God think of you and does he want you? But Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And we've heard the kind of, offbeat, maybe crazy answers that people are talking about Jesus in that day and age. He, he hears, uh, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. That'd be a little strange. John the Baptist had been executed by having his head removed. Some say Elijah. Well, okay. Elijah did ascend into heaven without dying on a, on a uh, chariot of fire. Others say you're one of the prophets. Okay. We hear maybe even stranger answers today in our day and age. We hear answers like, well, Jesus, he's my best friend. Jesus, he's a, he's a good teacher, a good example for how we should live our lives. Even Muslims acknowledge Jesus, but they call him one of Allah's prophets. One of them, not the greatest, but one of them. Mormons? Well, Mormons say that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer, sons of Elohim, a human man from another planet. No, I'm not kidding. They, they really do. That's really an interesting one to get into someday. All of a sudden, Elijah, John the Baptist, a prophet, they don't sound so strange anymore, do they? <laughs> but who do you say Jesus is? What do you think of Jesus? And that answer, the response of, Lord, thee I love with all my heart, that flows from faith. Faith that is given to you from the Holy Spirit. And what you say of Jesus, who Jesus is, comes either from the Holy Spirit or from another spirit. It is either focused on the things of God or on the things of man. 
during this Lenten season, Jesus instructs Peter and his other disciples, you and me, about what it means for him to be the Christ. And so he warns us, don't tell anybody about me being the Christ just yet, he tells his disciples. It's as though he's saying, let me teach you for a while. Let me give you the full picture before it's revealed to all what me being the Christ really means. It doesn't mean simply that I go around working miracles. It doesn't mean that I simply go around shining brightly from the Mount of Transfiguration. There's more to it than that, disciples. Let me teach you about what it is for me to be the Christ. And then, after I rise, tell everybody. Jesus spells it out quite boldly and quite repeatedly and plainly what it is for Him to be the Christ. Did you hear it? Were you listening? Well, Jesus is talking, and so that's a good time for us to listen. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is preaching. And He is saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things. The Son of Man must be rejected. The Son of Man must be killed. The Son of Man must, after three days, rise again. That's what it meant for Him to be the Christ. That's what Jesus was here to do. The disciples were listening, Peter was listening, and he heard what Jesus had repeatedly preached. Suffering, rejection, death, resurrection. And he said these things plainly. Suffering, rejection, death, resurrection. Suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. Peter listened. He gave that a little thought. Jesus, suffering, Rejection, death, and resurrection? I, I don't think so, Jesus. Uh, Peter doesn't like it. He disagrees with the Son of Man, Christ Jesus, and he, he takes him aside and rebukes him. Now look here, Jesus, you, you're the Christ in all, but I've done a little soul-searching about all this preaching you've been doing, and I've decided that the Christ, the one who I want Jesus to be, he can't suffer, be rejected, die, and rise again. So, say something else. Be about something else. Talk about something else. I'm Peter. What will Jesus do now? Will Jesus change his mind? Oh, Peter, thanks for bringing that to my attention. You know what? Let's, uh, let's do everything we can to, uh, to make this easier to swallow for you. Let's, uh, I'll preach something else now that you've taken me aside for our little talk. No. Jesus is committed. Jesus is committed to the suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. He looks at his disciples, and he sees Peter standing there. No doubt, I believe he thinks of you as well. He says, no, it is about the rejection and the suffering, the death and the resurrection so he turns to Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. Satan? When did Satan get into the conversation? Well, precisely when Peter took Jesus aside. When Peter had in mind the things of man instead of the things of God. Satan entered into that conversation when Peter took his eyes off the cross of Jesus, his suffering, death, and resurrection to save us from our sins, and wanted to make Jesus into something else. 
Satan entered the church, the, the teaching time that Jesus had established. He uses one of his own disciples as a fiendish instrument of deception. Who better than Peter to try to derail Jesus from suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection? Who better than the rock, Peter, to knock Jesus off the trail to Jerusalem, to the cross, and to the empty tomb? Yeah, Jesus can be the Christ, but let's make him a Christ minus the suffering, minus the rejection, minus the death, and, well, then it's also minus the resurrection. And that's a Jesus not of truth, but of a lie. Jesus would not be turned from his goal. Jesus would not be turned from his preaching and from his work for you. Jesus has in mind the things of God. He, the Christ, will be crucified. and He will rise on the third day, and that is the only way that things will be. Otherwise, Peter, the disciples, you, me, without the suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we, we don't have a Savior. Jesus will do what he's been given to do as the Christ. He'll suffer a holy week full of betrayal and rejection, a Good Friday cross, a holy Saturday Sabbath's rest in the grave, and an Easter morning resurrection. He will do these things, and he will do them for you and for your salvation, for the forgiveness of all your sins, for when our minds are set on the things of man. And so there is no shame in that suffering and rejection, death and resurrection. There's no shame, but there is truly the glory of God in that. We don't need to shy away from the suffering and rejection, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Is this a Jesus of whom you're ashamed? Would you rather a different kind of Jesus? A Peter kind of Jesus? A, a suffering-less, cross-less and then a resurrectionless Jesus? A Jesus of your own making? A Jesus that you can pull aside and push around? A Jesus whom you can lay demands on? A Jesus that can just leave you alone and let you do the best you can until you need Him? And then, when you don't need Him anymore? See, these are the things of man, not of God. These are the things of our sinful nature, of a, of a satanic lie. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of the cross of Jesus. We are not ashamed of his resurrection. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me in this adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's kingdom with his holy angels. Those are heavy words. Those are judgment day words. Will you have Jesus as he truly is, or as you'll make him up to be? It's the most important question that you could ever be asked in your life. Who do you say Jesus is? It's life or death. And the answer comes only from faith. Will you take up your cross and follow Jesus? as he suffers and dies and rises on the third day. It's a risky business. 
It's risky to be united with Jesus in His living. Because then we are also united in His suffering, rejection, and death. This is, on this side of eternity, what we experience as His children. In this side of eternity, we suffer. Do we not? We suffer the effects of sin on our bodies and in our lives and in our relationships and our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. We suffer rejection from one another. We will suffer death. We will mourn the death of our loved ones. We will see death around us and it will frighten us. But to be united with Christ into His suffering and rejection and death is also to be united with Christ in His resurrection. For it is through the suffering, rejection, and death that we arrive at a resurrection. So to be united with Christ as He suffers and dies is to be united with Him as He rises again. And all you really have to lose is your sin. All that's really at stake is your shame and your guilt, where all of it will be washed away and cleansed. Because Jesus insists that He is the Christ, and He has come to take it all to His body and onto the cross, where He will answer for it all. Don't be ashamed to let Jesus have your sin. Don't withhold any of it from Him, because He is the Christ. He can... He can handle it. Let Him have it all. Let go of your burdens. He is the Son of Man. He reigns He reigns among sinners. Because for them, for you, He has suffered and died and He has risen again. These are the things of God. This is the mind of God. This is the preaching of a Christ who has come to save. So we are heirs his kingdom. These are the benefits of his dying for you. He says things so plainly of what he will give to you because of his suffering and rejection, his death and resurrection. He says, here is my body, here is my blood that has suffered and been rejected and died and risen for you. Here it is, it's a gift. It comes to you with a promise. It comes to you with forgiveness. It comes to you with faith. Eat and drink and proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Focus your eyes upon the cross by receiving the gifts of the cross. And in this we see that He is not ashamed of us, of our crosses, of our struggles, of our trials. The crosses that you take up and that you carry to follow Jesus, they don't disqualify you from Jesus. They are why Jesus embraces you. The struggles that you have are precisely why He came to redeem you, to take up your crosses and to die on each and every one of them. And they're all one of a kind and unique to you. Some of you bear the cross of, of I don't know what, diagnosis. Some of you bear the cross of, of loneliness. Some of you bear the cross of, of, of a conscience that, that vacillates between, you know, do I love my family and my wife? Do I love the world more than God? Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ bear the cross of, of suffering for the fact that they are Christian. 
You hear more stories again out of the Middle East and Syria that Christians are bearing the cross of persecution. But it is Jesus who is the Christ. And it is Jesus who is going to the cross. And so as disciples of Jesus, as you, disciples of Jesus, even to this day, you and me, we follow Jesus by taking up our crosses, our sufferings, our sicknesses, our betrayals, our depressions, our lonelinesses, our unemployment, the empty wallets, the prideful hearts. We take up these crosses, and what do we find? We find that they've already been died on. We find that Jesus has already suffered them in our place. Jesus has already risen from the tomb of death that they bring. And Jesus is already carrying us, leading us as we follow Him in a triumphant train where we have found life and life eternal. To take up your cross and to follow Jesus is to have your cross lifted from you. To have Satan cast already behind you, crushed beneath Jesus' feet. An enemy lying vanquished on the battlefield. To take up your cross and follow Jesus is to lay aside guilt and shame, sins and regrets, and to take up the cross of Jesus where you find forgiveness and life and salvation. The loss of your life is nothing less than the loss of sin. The loss of your life is nothing but gain of eternal bliss. Bliss that we taste here in God's house every Lord's Day. Bliss in which we live day to day. The bliss of heaven when we lose to this mortal life, this body of death, will then be made perfect. Fill your thoughts with things above, the things of heaven, the things of the cross, the things of resurrection. And in these, your soul, it is not lost but rather you are found, you are known, and you are forgiven. Forgiven of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.